Before I get into God's Word, uh, I do want to make a very short announcement, and that is that next Sunday, Lord willing, we are going to be taking part in communion. So uh, we're going to be uh, asking you this week to make sure that you have some crackers around or some juice. It doesn't have to be grape juice. Uh, it can be any kind of juice the Lord uh, understands in this moment, but we're going to do uh, what the Bible encourages us to do often, and that's remember the Lord by taking part in communion. So we're going to do that next week. Now, let's get into the Word of God. Two weeks ago, I spoke about why the Lord ascended into heaven. If you remember, we were talking about uh, different aspects of why the Lord ascended into heaven. And one of the points that we made was that the Lord ascended into heaven so that the Holy Spirit would come. Uh, remember, these words uh, that Jesus spoke, they're recorded in John chapter uh, 16, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 5 and 7. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask, why are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, meaning ascended, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so the, one of the purposes for the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ was that so that as he ascended, the Holy Spirit would now come and the ministry, the work of the Holy Spirit would begin. Now, over the course of time as a pastor, oftentimes I discovered that Christians, God's people, are often unsure about the role of the Holy Spirit, his ministry, what, what work of the Holy Spirit, uh, and what's the significance of that work. And so today, it's my desire to bring clarity regarding the Holy Spirit. And uh, I want to begin by stressing first that the Holy Spirit is not an it. Or a force. This is not like Star Wars where the force is with you. No, the Holy Spirit is a person. In fact, back in our scripture in, in uh, John 16, notice that Jesus said, rather, you are filled with grief, but I have said these things, verse 7, but I very truly I tell you, for it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come. Listen, but if I go, I will send him. H-I-M. That's the key word there. I will send him to you. Again, in chapter 14 of the book of John, in verse 15, Jesus says this. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, key word, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So notice Jesus repeatedly used the word him, not it. John chapter 15, one more verse, in verse 26, we find this. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he, key word, will testify about me. 
So in these three portions of scriptures in the Gospel of John, Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit uh, uses the word he or him uh, and not it, meaning the Holy Spirit is not an it, he's not a force, he's a person. And in fact, the Holy Spirit is part of the triune God or what we call the Trinity. The Trinity made up the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Remember, right before Jesus ascended, he was gathered with his disciples and he had given them what we call the Great Commission. Well, in verse uh, uh, 19 of the 28th chapter of Matthew, Jesus said this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Baptism signifies your public declaration that you are a disciple or a follower of the person in which you are being baptized in. In other words, uh, as Christians, we are baptized in water baptism in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We are baptized as followers of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All three separate personalities, in the view, and yet all three are one. Now, as part of the triune God, the Holy Spirit, like the Father and the Son, is omnipresent, which means he is everywhere all the time. We find in Psalm 139, verse 7, David said this, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? So notice David connected the two, God's presence with God's spirit. The Holy Spirit here is associated with the very presence of the Lord. So he is a person, not an it. He's part of the triune God. And Jesus said, I have to go back to the Father so that he, the Holy Spirit, can come. And the purpose for which the Holy Spirit has come is what I want to focus in on now. In John chapter 16, reading in verse 13, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, notice he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. You will glorify me, excuse me, he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive what the Father, from me what he will make known to you. <clears throat> so notice, uh, here's my first point on the work of the Holy Spirit. Number one is the Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit, guys, notice Jesus said when he comes, the spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. 
which simply means this. The Holy Spirit will never, ever guide us. He will never lead us. He will never direct us away from the truth. And when we talk about the truth, this is the truth. Jesus is the truth. God's word is the truth. And so we put them all together. We need to recognize the Holy Spirit will never, ever lead you in a way that is contrary to the truth of God's word. In other words, let's go back. Uh, when the Bible clearly outlines that the Lord accepts divorce only in the case of adultery. And so, or if you're married to an unbeliever and he wants to leave. So now, that's what the Bible teaches. That's the truth. That's not what this church believes. That's what the Bible indicates. So now people, Christians, who come and say, well, the Lord told me that it was okay to divorce my wife because we're not in love anymore. Well, now you're saying that God has told you to do something that is contrary to the truth of his word. The Holy Spirit will never, ever lead you and I in such a manner where it will be contrary to the truth of God's word. And if you believe that, say amen right in your living room with me. Now, as the people of God, the inner voice that we have is the, the voice of the Holy Spirit that guides us. Because notice, he will be in us. When we embrace Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we acknowledge we are sinful, when we acknowledge that we have no hope apart from our Savior, Jesus Christ, and we turn away from our sinful life and embrace Christ as our Savior, the Bible teaches us now in that moment, there's a divine transaction that takes place where God removes your sin from you and in place, he imparts to you the Holy Spirit. He comes to take up residence in your spirit. Spirit. And in, in, in the Holy Spirit in you is that inner voice that you hear now to lead and guide us. So, in other words, let me uh, put it this way. When Christians say, God spoke to me, what they really mean is the Holy Spirit spoke to me. We're not conditioned to say it that way. We're so conditioned on saying that the Lord spoke to me that, about this and the Lord spoke to me about that. But the reality is, the truth is, that when you hear God speaking, it's actually the voice of the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. It is his work, his ministry to guide the believer, to guide you and I into all the truth. And it's the Holy Spirit who speaks to us. Let me give you an example about how uh, of that in operation in leadership in the church. In the book of Acts, in the 13th chapter, let me read the first two verses. Now the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaeum, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While we were, they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, so notice it's the Spirit of God speaking. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So you get the picture now. You've got all of these leaders in the church. They are praying. They are waiting upon God. They're, they're fasting. They're seeking the face of God. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke and gave them specific direction on what they're to do. 
which tells us this. This is my second point. The Holy Spirit not only guides us, but he gives us revelation. That's the second point. The Holy Spirit gives us revelation. Let's look at now uh, the, uh, back at the Gospel of John in chapter 16. Uh, look at verse 15. Jesus said, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you, what he will make known to you. So notice the Trinity right there in action. Jesus said what, what belongs to the Father is also mine, and the Spirit makes that known to you or reveals that to you. So the Holy Spirit gives us Revelation. Now, by revelation, here's what I'm talking about. Revelation is the Spirit of God making known to you what you in the natural could not have known. What you in the natural would not ordinarily understand, see, or comprehend. That's revelation. And it's a ministry, the work of the Holy Spirit that gives revelation. Those men that had been gathered there in the book of Acts are praying. They did not see. They did not understand. They, there was no way that they could know that Barnabas and Saul were set apart for the work of missions. But as they prayed and saw God, the Spirit of the Lord revealed to them the path that he marked out for these two individuals in the church. When you look at Revelations, the last book of the Bible in chapter 2 and 3, it records seven letters that Jesus gave to seven churches. And in each letter, Jesus concluded with this statement. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Revelation, what the Spirit is revealing. Listen, when we hear God's Word being taught, whether it's in the format of a class, now we're doing a lot of Zoom classes, which is great. We've been able to do that online. Uh, when we, or whether we hear the Word of God being preached, as you're hearing it right now, in either format, whether you're reading it at home in your private, quiet time, if you only read physically, you will never have transformation. You will never have spiritual transformation. You will never rise to the place of spiritual maturity. Right now, if you only are hearing me with your natural ears, that in and of itself will never produce divine transformation, spiritual growth. The Spirit of God has to take the words that I speak in English and transform them into the living word that penetrates our hearts. The word of God has to be brought alive by the very Spirit of God and ignited so that it has the opportunity to bring transformation in all of our lives. That's why, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, we often are praying before the services. We are looking to the Lord and asking the Spirit of God to move in such a powerful way. I never want you to look at me. I never want you to depend on my eloquence. I'm not an eloquent man. I never want you to depend upon my smarts. My wife could tell you I'm not a smart guy. 
I'm a simple guy, and I speak a simple word, and my trust is, God, may the Holy Spirit ignite the words that I'm taking, these simple words, and transform them into the living word of God. Because in the live, when the Spirit of God transforms my simple words into the living word of God, now we all have an opportunity for change in our life, for spiritual growth and maturity. So I want to encourage you. Pray in your quiet time before you open your Bible. Pray and say, Holy Spirit, open my spiritual eyes that I might behold wonderful things on your word. Holy Spirit, give me an ear to hear what you're saying to me. If you and I will do that, the Spirit of the Lord will fulfill his ministry and give us revelation. He'll reveal things to us that we ordinarily would not be able to know or understand. And I thank God for that, that he's been so faithful to do that. It's why we continue to pray and asking God in this time where we're all sheltering in place, Holy Spirit, use this time to speak to us, to communicate God's truth, to reveal to us that which we need to know. So let me recap on the work of the Holy Spirit. Number one, he guides us. Number two, he gives us revelation. And here's number three. He prays for us. Now you remember one of the other points that we talked about two weeks ago about why Jesus Christ ascended. The Bible teaches us in Hebrews that he ascended to the right hand of the Father where he ever lives to intercede for us. Right now, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's praying for you and for me. And he always is praying. He never stops praying. He is constantly interceding, praying on your behalf, on my behalf. Now, we also find in the Scripture, notice in John chapter 14, I'm going to go back there to verse 16. Jesus said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, and he will be with you forever. And again, in John chapter 15, uh, in, in verse 26, where he talks about when the advocate comes. This word advocate means a person who pleads another's cause. A person who pleads another's cause. So listen, get the picture now. Jesus is in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, praying for you and I. At the same time, we have the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit who dwells within. He also is our advocate. He also pleads our, our, our case before God. Uh, let me give you the, the verse of Scripture that will uh, support this truth. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit, listen, intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So think about this now. 
Think about the incredible blessing of what we just found in Scripture. That the Lord Jesus Christ right now is living forever and ever, seated at the right hand of the Father, praying for you and I, nonstop, praying, interceding on our behalf. While that's going on, the Holy Spirit, part of the triune God, who dwells within us, he is also praying for us at the same time, the Bible says. We groan. Sometimes there, there are things, as the Bible, uh, Paul says, we don't know how to pray. Have you ever been in that place where you're undergoing some trial, some difficulty, and you're just not sure how to pray? I'm so glad that the Bible teaches us here that we don't have to try to make things complicated. We don't try to try to impress God. That the Holy Spirit who lives in our hearts knows exactly what's going on, knows exactly how we need to pray, and he prays through us. And those, the Bible said, were groans and utterings, meaning we don't understand uh, sometimes a groan. Why am I groaning, God? I just, I, I, I just feel this thing coming in my heart, such a heaviness. The Holy Spirit is praying through you. You may not understand with your mind exactly what's going on, but spiritually, the, the Lord at the right hand of the Father is praying. The Holy Spirit who dwells within is praying. And we have these two together praying constantly for us. And remember the Lord's uh, uh, principle that he gave to the, uh, the, to the disciples. If ever two agree as touching anything, my Father will do it. Uh, what an incredible principle that is applied spiritually for you and I, where the two that are praying right now in agreement, in harmony with the will of the Father, is the Son and the Holy Spirit. Blessed be his wonderful name. Blessed be his wonderful name. The Holy Spirit prays for us when we don't know how to pray. Lastly, we have the Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit gives us revelation, reveals to us what we ordinarily would never know. The Holy Spirit prays for us. And here's the fourth point. The Holy Spirit empowers us. The Holy Spirit empowers us. Jesus, uh, in uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, told his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That word on means to descend upon. This is a separate work of the Holy Spirit. I told you earlier that when we say yes and embrace Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Spirit of God comes to dwell within us. But now there's a separate act of grace from the Holy Spirit where he now comes upon us. He now uh, infuses us with power from heaven for a specific purpose, and that is so that we can be witnesses for the Lord, so that we can have power to tell people the good news about Jesus Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit coming upon us is what we also uh, term as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
And it comes in that place where you and I are, of, are, are in due with power so that we can have this incredible power, not human power, but spiritual power to be effective witnesses for Jesus Christ. Now, if you go on to read in the beginning of chapter 2, in fact, let's, let's read that in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So as they are gathered there praying and seeking the Lord, Pentecost came whereby the Spirit of God was poured out and on upon those that were gathered in the room. And they, the, the initial evidence of that was that they all began to, to speak in an unknown language. The gift of tongues is what the Bible describes it as. That is the ability for you and I to speak in a language that we do not understand, that we did not have the ability to speak prior to. That is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And once that was poured out, the church received fresh power to become witnesses for the Lord. And this was not an event that transpired in the early church history and is now gone to by and is no longer for the church today. No. In the same chapter, in verse 17, here's what the Bible says. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. The promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't for a select few, isn't something that just took place in history and is not for today. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is in fact an experience for that every child of God should experience. Uh, it is for young men. It is for old men. It is for young women. It is for old women. It is for every child of God to receive fresh power from heaven so that we all can be effective witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, oftentimes I've been asked, well, how do you receive uh, the Holy Spirit? How do you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Is there something that specifically that you have to do? Well, what I've discovered is uh, we, the best atmosphere to receive the Holy Spirit is an atmosphere of praise and worship along with prayer. Notice that they were gathered in the upper room. They were seeking the Lord. Uh, and if you read throughout the book of Acts, you will find that when, when there's a, a, a group that was gathered together and they're worshiping God and praising God, God pours out the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you, if you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, 
Spend time alone with the Lord. Remember, this is a promise from God for you. Don't believe the devil's lie that this is not for you, that you're not holy enough. Nobody is holy enough. Don't believe the devil's lie that, that, that it's got to be for a select few who have a special call on their life. We all have a special call on our life. We all are children of God. And this promise is for you. So get alone with God. Lift up your voice. Lift up your hands. Begin to worship God. Begin to thank God for this promise that is for you. And embrace it and allow the Holy Spirit to do something incredible in your life. And you will see the Lord pour out his spirit upon you and take you to a whole nother place in your walk with God. The sad truth is many of God's children today are missing out on this special experience that is for everyone who will believe. 